I almost feel Barker like I should just keep the flush sound effect handy. Whenever the, whenever the Jays play the Yankees. 5-3, the Yankees beating the Jays this afternoon in the Bronx. They've lost four in a row, three of four, seven of nine. And um, I'm sorry, they lost three of four in Cleveland. They've lost four in a row, seven of nine. They're now 17 and 15. And they've got three games coming up in Tampa. And uh, there is a chance. They lose all three. They could come back home to face the Seattle Mariners under 500, which I guarantee you, I guarantee you, none of us, none of us thought would be the case in the middle of May. As always, the numbers are 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590, is the text line. It is Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. We're with you until 5 o'clock today, or 545, uh, 5.55 to be exact. So take advantage of the opportunity, 4.55 to be exact. So take advantage of the opportunity to give us a call and uh, vent if you want. Kevin, the story of this game, well, Glaber Torres is the offensive story, a three-run home run uh, and a two-run double. He's the story of the game offensively for the Yankees. And I guess the problem for the Blue Jays is, I mean, there really isn't a story offensively for them. Uh, 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. Sacrifice fly. Again, I mean, we've seen this before with this team. First inning, I mean, what, Jameson Tyone had had thrown 19 pitches before he got his first out. Jays have a run in. Uh, They've got runners on the corners. Stolen base for Teoscar Hernandez. Lourdes Gurriel strikeout swinging. Alejandro Kirk first pitch swinging at a ball that was up around his, the top of his helmet popped up to the first baseman. And that was pretty much all she wrote. Uh, a couple of base running mistakes. I have no idea what Bo Bichette was doing in the fifth inning when he didn't advance on that wild pitch to Vladdy, just walking back to second base with his head down. And I don't know, I guess... Alejandro Kirk, I don't know if he called that a base running error. The guy went to second base, tr- fell over the second baseman, and was tagged out. But, Kevin, <laughs> uh, ag- again, again, this team is supposed to hit. Everything else aside, everything else aside, this team is supposed to hit. They just are not getting it done. And, Kevin, I'm at the point now where I don't think you ask Vladdy to move into the number two spot. I think you tell him he's going to do it. Will it help? I don't know. Will it hurt? Probably not. Maybe, maybe I, I, I'm not real sure uh, exactly what that'll do. You, you watch Vladdy when, when you see a guy visibly uh, frustrated as he is breaking his bat, which is cool. I, every once in a while, you just need to get it out. You've had enough of the bad swings, the bad timing. He's late. You see the you see whenever the the, the sports net shows the side view of whenever he takes a pitch, how late he is. Where, where the baseball's at when he starts his swing, it's in the middle of his body. As hard as these guys throw, and as much as they throw secondary pitches away, and how good you're mechanics have to be with your lower half on the ball away you got to be a little bit more on time and right now he's in between moving him in the order look it looks good sounds good uh it's an, it's you know an obvious thing that you might try is that going to help Vladdy's timing absolutely not i 
this is just one of those things where if you're going to change anything, at least when I was struggling, I tried to change up my routine. I'd do something different. You do the same thing over and over and over again, especially when it's working. Now that's not working for Vladdy, change it up a little bit. If you want to hit off the machine, you want to do something different, more soft tossing, something to get you on time to start hammered baseball. You can talk about all these other people, Jeff. One guy for me, if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has a step back this year, his team's in trouble. Well, it appears as if the guy in front of him is coming around. Bo Bichette had a three-hit game, all of them to the opposite field. Um, you know, we, I mean, I mean, really, there's just there's, there was not a whole hell of a lot going on offensively. Again, the bottom line is this team just cannot hit with runners in scoring position. The, you know, the, they showed the numbers during the telecast. It's apparent. And I don't know. I don't think they have a runners in scoring position machine. Maybe they do. It's a, hey, in this day and age of analytics, I don't know. Maybe they've got some sort of virtual thing where they can have guys up in runners in scoring position. I, I'm just kidding. I don't have any idea. Jose Barrios, five and a third innings, better than he was against Cleveland. Uh, better command of his breaking pitches. Uh, again, um, <laughs> you got to score some runs. Uh, I, I'm I'm almost at the point now where I'm not even you know I'm not even going to look at the pitching right now because at the end of the day every one of these losses it seems to me almost every one of these losses comes down to uh, to a failure to hit with runners in scoring position. It's that simple. You know you know what's funny too. You see James Tyon when he was ready to pitch the, the to start the game and he had to wait for Barrios and that line of pitchers. The, you notice the Yankees don't like the Blue Jays. It, it's it's real simple that you know sort of all the talk in the off season was how good the Blue Jays were going to be, how they were going to come into Yankee Stadium and just put a whooping on the Yankees. You've noticed last couple of days they don't like the Blue Jays. That's kind of fun for me to watch little things like that. James Tyon he got chapped. Because he was waiting on the opposing pitcher to walk off the field with a bunch of his buddies. So, that's the little thing that I'd noticed. Uh, offensively, you, you, whenever you were talking there, and I was thinking about Jamison Tyon and what he was throwing, him being right-handed, he basically threw two pitches, a cutter and a slider. If you've noticed, Jeff, every single one of the guys in the Blue Jays lineup, every single one of them, that includes Tapia. Springer, Bo, Vladdy, Teoscar, Lourdes, Kirk, Chapman, Espinal. You all pitch them the exact same way. So if I'm a decent right-handed pitcher, not a great right-handed pitcher, I can come in facing them. We talk about balance of the lineup and why that's so important with good teams. Look at the Yankees. you got to mix it up. Every Yankee hitter has a different weakness. One don't like the breaking ball. One don't like the all-speed pitch. One don't like the elevated fastball. One don't like the fastball in. What's a pitcher have to do? He has to attack all of those different weaknesses. The Blue Jays lineup all have the same exact weakness. Cutter away, slider away. If I'm a decent pitcher, this is exactly how I get them out. And now you're asking a bunch of kids to make adjustments real quick on the fly against really good teams. It, maybe it's a, it's a little bit too much to ask. And for me right now, the pitching's a lot better than the Blue Jays lineup. And you mentioned Barrios. Barrios did enough. Right, he what did he face? He faced twenty two batters, he threw fourteen strike ones, he gave up five hits. Uh coming into today's game, uh the league was hitting four thirteen off his fastball. He only gave up two two hits on his fastball, one off his sinker and O two pitch, one off that, that uh home run he gave up that was tell me exactly again how that's three hundred and sixty nine feet. It wasn't the first row when it said three fourteen right there. I still haven't figured that out yet. But he was good enough. You know, he he made good enough pitches. A lot of the times for me, his fastball command's not there. His misses are too big. But they scored two runs. I'm with you. 416-870-0590, star 590. 
on triple eight triple six zero five ninety five ninety five ninety is the text line. I asked the question on social media. Panic with a question mark, just because I felt like getting to the point. Daryl <laughs> in Whitby, panic stations yet? Uh, it's not panic, but it's getting to the point where these guys got to hit a ball. This is getting to be ridiculous. I mean, all this bigging them up in spring training, and they're going to knock the leather off the ball, and their AAA affiliate can hit the ball better than them right now. It's getting to be a bit much. It's interesting. We're going to have Mark Feinsand on later on in the show. He's MLB.com's executive writer. He pulled a bunch of baseball executives, which he does every now and then. He pulled pulled about a dozen of them, and it's remarkable how many people still think the uh, still think the the Blue Jays are going to win the American League East. There is there's an awful lot of faith in the game uh, uh, surrounding the Blue Jays' offense. But Daryl, this is six weeks. Right, this is six weeks. We're getting to the point now where the sample size is around a hundred at bats, uh, and and it's it's not as if it's a thing that comes and goes. This has been an issue with this team almost from the get go. Runners in scoring position. We talked about last week. I think Daryl, they were the lowest in baseball by about twenty twenty five percentage points behind the Diamondbacks. I, I don't get it. You know, they've got a hitting coach and Dave Hudgens who's in charge of strategy. They've got an assistant hitting coach and Hunter Mentz. They've got the Regular hitting coach, I, I mean, I, I just, I, 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 I can't figure this out. I can't figure it out. But I'm beginning to think, Daryl. I don't know about you, Daryl, but I'm beginning to think that, you know, it, can it hurt moving Vladdy into the number two spot? I mean, I don't care if he likes it or not right now, to be honest, because he's not performing. Yeah, move him out of it and see see what it does. What do you mean, move him to the number two and put uh, Teo at number three? I mean, I would. I would put Bichette down in the cleanup spot. You know, Bo yeah. is w- where he's hit before, and you know, Bo's got it going a little bit now, so the argument may be great. You finally get Bo Bichette going. You want to move him in the lineup. I'll ask you, Kevin. Uh, let's, I mean, we focus on Vladdy here, and Daryl, thanks for the call. I'll ask you, Kevin. Okay, if Bo is getting it going a little now, is there a chance that by moving Bo out of the number two spot, you are sending the wrong message to him? I don't think so. <clears throat> I think Bo can hit anywhere in the order. I, I don't really think we, we've talked to him. People that I've talked to about Bo, he doesn't really care who, where he hits as long as he's hitting in the first inning. I think that's a big deal for him. That's why maybe that hit and clean up, especially when he's hot right now, you don't want to rock it too much. Teoscar sort of likes hitting clean up. He likes protecting a couple of guys that are hitting in front of him. You just may flip-flop, Vladdy. I personally don't think it's going to matter. But it would send a little bit of a message that there is some urgency here. Like enough of this is enough, enough that the Orioles and the Diamondbacks hit better than we do with runners in scoring position. Something's got to change. And to just flip-flop those two guys would sort of, I guess, if you want to say send a message, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But, you know, the urgency now I think is there just by the way you're seeing these guys have, guys have at bats. George Springer's showing a little bit of that frustration. Vladdy obviously is doing that with the broken bat and flipping it off his, his thigh like that, which I never like. You know, I've seen that before. Guys have missed games because of that reason. I know he's frustrated. Break it on the ground. Don't break it over your leg. Uh, but you're seeing it. You're seeing guys. We've seen Santiago Espinal, you know, yell occasionally at the umpire and, and chase a little bit more than normal. It's You can see, Jeff, that they're trying a a little too hard the harder you try in baseball the worse it gets so i guess this is the job of the manager is to try and figure out ways to get them hot maybe that'll maybe that's the way you try and do it if you are going to reach out to us in your text line on the text line 590 590 please uh 
please include your name and location. Uh, most of the texters, Kevin, are saying, you know, clearly it's too early to panic. But uh, Ace in Toronto, for example, says, let's see what happens this weekend against Tampa. But a lot of other people are saying that, uh, hey, you know, it's time for, you know, someone said, so when does the manager put his big boy pants on and tell his team he doesn't care about stars and egos and takes control of his lineup? I think people are at that point with this team. I really do. And I, I'm with you. I don't know if it's going to happen. Or I should say, I don't know if, I don't know if it'll make a difference. But it can't hurt. Like, what, ask they're doing, what they're doing right now is not working. I ask you a question. Uh, the, the, the confidence of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is down. Moving him in the two spots going to change that? That's what you got to ask yourself. This, this, I understand what, what fans want and, and the obvious thing that might change this up a little bit. But the one thing you're starting to notice a little bit is Vladdy's lost a little confidence. You know, he's yeah, Mr. Kev, Smile. Mr. Smile. Else? You haven't seen that in a week or two Kev. here. The smiling thing. I'm just saying. Like it's, what is – what what what, what – Lourdes Gurriel Jr. In, ain't hitting. Where are you moving him to? If I put you in a position Chapman's where I'm – If I put you in a position where I'm giving you another at bat, I'm showing confidence in you. If I'm putting Vladdy into the second spot, I'm saying, you, you're not real good right now, but I have so much. Here's how much confidence I have in you. I want you to get another at bat. I, I don't understand how it would affect his confidence. And, I, you know, this whole thing about he needs more time to get ready, yada, yada. I mean, that, might, that might come around once or twice a game where, where it's an issue. That's impossible uh, for I, you I'm to just say saying that. I, I, That's I'm just impossible saying for you to say that because you're not Vladdy. Vladdy feels that way. That gives well, him something it, else to think great. about. And right now Feel he's that too way much. when – you know what? Feel that way when you're hitting 300. Feel that way when you're hitting home runs. Don't feel it's, that it, way when you're not driving in runs. When, hitting, hitting I'm just saying it can't remember, hurt. Remember now, I'm, I'm with you. It, it probably can't hurt, but it's probably not going to help either. Again, this is one of those things where how much trust do you have in the first four guys? Because I think you know what you're getting from Chapman. Chapman is one of those guys that looks like if it's not right down the middle, he's probably not going to give you a competitive at bat. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is out and around. You know, he stands up uh, 17 feet off the plate. If I'm a pitcher, it's uh, right now an easier out. Teoscar is still trying to get his feet wet. Basically, right now, if you can get through Springer and Bo and get Espinal out, they're not the easiest team to pitch to. So if your manager, Charlie Montoya, and you're sitting on the flight tonight and you're thinking to yourself, how the heck do we get these guys rolling? I know exactly we're facing a bunch of right-handed pitchers who are throwing the same two pitches all the time. If I mix up my lineup, is it going to help? That's the big question here. And, you know, it's a small sample size right now that, that Vladdy is struggling the way he is. Would that make a little bit of a change? It would be interesting to see if they do that after this good. Let's go to Jimmy on Vancouver Island. He thinks Santiago Espinal should be hitting ahead of Chapman. Go ahead, Jimmy. Well, absolutely. I think my grandma should be hitting ahead of Chapman. I picked a bad <laughs> week to quit drinking watching the Jays, I'll tell you. But <laughs> y- y- you know what? Well, what Barker said was last week, he said Chapman is not a good hitter. He's a home run hitter. Like yeah. Atkins, everybody wants to crap on Montoya, but Atkins put this team together. You go past the top four in the lineup, and obviously when they're going good, not right now, does any of those guys scare you if you're a major league pitcher? Zero. He well, brings in Tapia and Chapman to replace – I'm not talking about this year's Simeon. I'm talking Simeon's numbers from last year. That was not replaced. The pitchers, he can't blame the pitchers. They, they, they're scared to make one bad pitch because if they gave up two runs, it's game over. I mean, well, it's just pathetic. He, but, okay, let me, up, what are you going to do? Let me jump in here, though. Do you want Marcus Simeon with a seven-year deal hitting the way he is right now? But listen to what I said, though. You're replacing 2021 Simeon. I don't care if Simeon hits 90 homers or two. He's gone. you got to replace yeah, you, that spot last year. 
if you look at That's if you look at things way. like wins above replacement, the thinking was that a healthy George Springer helps you out there. Matt Chapman gives you good defense. You need defense. I, I hate to tell you. I mean, I know people are focusing on Matt Chapman's hitting, and they should. This team is under five hundred without his defense. So and and you know, Tappy is a bench guy. Tappy is Tappy is not an everyday guy. He's a bench guy. And Guriel, Guriel last September was one of the best hitters in the game. I mean, he just was. The numbers, the numbers, the numbers show that. But clearly this year, he is not the hitter that he was. And Kevin's talked about the adjustment he made last year where he moved off the plate to take advantage of the length of his arms. Kevin, maybe it's time to make another adjustment, to adjust your adjustment and go back in. But the rest of them, I mean, you know, Espinal's been terrific, obviously. He's been a pleasant surprise. Kirk has taken a month to get anything going. Um, it's, but as, as Bark says, it gets back to, they're not going to win if Vladdy isn't hitting. They're, just, they're, they're not going to win. You can get by winning one or two games because there are times where guys are going to carve Vladdy up. They're good pitchers in baseball. That's the way it is. But Kevin, this, you know, this has gone on for a long time now with Vladdy. I mean, it just has. To, to Jimmy's point, <clears throat> to Jimmy's point. Thanks, Jimmy. I think, I, yeah, J- that's a good call. J- Jimmy's trying to, to tell us that, you know, the, the 44 homers or whatever Marcus Simeon hit, how do you make up for those? And, and they're trying to do it with the Chapmans and the Tapias and, and sort of the other guys that are filling in. And, you know, it's, that's a decent point, but you got to get back to who's your superstars. It's like the Yankees. How did the Yankees get hot? Because Judge started mashing homers. Rizzo started mashing homers. Giancarlo Stanton started playing a little bit outfield, got a little frisky, started mashing homers, and the pitching got better. That's sort of how you do it is. It's it's a you have your stars who figure things out. Your your role players start to play a little bit better because your stars are all carrying the load. And right now the Blue Jays stars aren't doing anything. 416-870-0590, star 591 Let's bring in Ben Wagner. He had the call of the game. He has the radio voice of the Blue Jays. So, Mr. Wagner, we're talking about the lineup. Surprise, surprise. Charlie's got an off day. They open a three-game series against Tampa. Uh, I mean, you know, I, they're not they're not going to go out and trade for another bat. Uh, the lineup is what the lineup is. I I don't know. Where do you stand in this? I to me, it can't it, it can't hurt moving Guerrero into the number two spot. It just can't. Yeah, I, you know, I thought about that. We've we've kicked that around for a while, right? but I, I think that's a sign of Laddie not wanting to do it and Charlie not wanting to make that lineup move like like there's a panic button being pushed. And you, you have to give it some time a little bit because Teoscar Hernandez just jumped back in this lineup. And when I was in Cleveland, I was talking with a couple of coaches, and I said, well, where do you think Teoscar jumps in here? Like, where did he leave off? Where does he feel comfortable right now? And everybody said it's going to take some time to get Teoscar going, going again. And I think it's not going to be – you know, 10 or 15 at-bats, I think we're going to – we have to wait on Teoscar to get going again. 30, 40 at-bats to see Teoscar Hernandez and what he's going to be this year. Also, Lourdes Goriel Jr. has absolutely kind of disappeared right now in this lineup. And remember how he was he was holding his own in the absence of Teoscar mm-hmm. Hernandez, but he has really disappeared right now. So that's another massive hole from somebody that was producing for Toronto. And without two guys – that are in the middle of this thing. And and without Vladimir Guerrero Jr., of course, inconsistent right now and off-timing. And I'm telling you, any time that I see Vladdy pound those balls out in front of home plate, you know his timing's off. That's that's the main indicator for me. Uh, those are three cogs in a very, very important wheel. 
uh, that just are not firing on this. And that's that's empty, empty at bats right now from those guys. Hey, ben, are you seeing some obvious uh, adjustments trying to be made? I, I'm not. Like, I, I see the same guy go stand in the same no. part of the batter's box and take the same exact swing on the same exact pitches. You don't see any change either? I don't. I really don't. And you know what? It's tough to see change because, and I know a lot of behind-the-scenes work is always done with the Blue Jays, and there's heavy emphasis put on tees and drills in the cages. But think about what the weather has been like and the travel has been like for the Blue Jays. They're not out on the field taking BP at all over the last week. Like, I haven't seen I haven't seen the team outside. I think yesterday they took BP coming out of the off day. Uh, never took the field at all in Cleveland whatsoever because of the weather. And in that first night, there was a, a long travel. Um, you know, these guys are just completely in a funk. And their day routine is just absolutely jostled as well. Uh, I want to, uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to you since last night and Jordan Romano uh, giving up that home run to Aaron Judge. The numbers on Jordan Romano last night were not good. The velocity was down a lot, both on the slider and the fastball. Now, he had five days rest, and people automatically are going to assume that when you have five days rest, you're going to come out and you're going to be throwing harder. Doesn't always, doesn't always work that way. Is this... Is this in your mind at all, Ben, a sign that the Jays, and I'm not just talking about what happened last night because I've kind of thought this and I've said this for a while, that I still think they need another arm with some swing and miss stuff in the back end of the bullpen. Maybe Nate Pearson could be that guy. I don't know. But do you have any cause for concern right now with that? Yeah, because every safe situation, especially recently with Jordan, hasn't exactly been a comfortable one, right? I mean, there's a little bit more traffic with Jordan. His his velocity dips. And we've seen that with long layoffs with Jordan. He was throwing so much early in the season. You, you just never had those those gaps. But this bullpen is incomplete. I talked with Ross Atkins. It's been a little bit more than a week now. But Ross said he's really pleased with the bullpen, how it came together, how they were able to succeed early in the season. He knows it's an incomplete bullpen, though. And mm. and talking with some of the coaches, they still feel like they're at least an arm away. I wouldn't be surprised if if things are evaluated, they get at least one more arm. They've got an internal option if, if of course, Nate Pearson can become that guy. They would love, love to see something more out of Julian Merriweather. But you know what? I mean, that's, that's a non-talking point for me right now because now we've had a bigger body of work with Julian. That's not somebody you're going to go back on and lean on or even require to be in those situations any longer. He's a low-leverage guy now. So you've got one hopeful internal answer, but then the other answers have to come from external options for me on this bullpen. And it's got to be somebody that the Blue Jays can cast into a high-leverage situation because right now there's not a lot of swing and miss. You don't get a lot of swing and miss from Trevor Richards. You don't have it with, with, with Adam Simber. Um, you're seeing more contact from Tim Mazur right now out of the bullpen as well. So when it comes to lockdown, blow-away stuff, that's what you need in today's game, and, and the Blue Jays will have to go out and find it. Ben, on the flight tonight, uh, what do you think Charlie Montoya does? Can he mix up the lineup? Can he – you know, do Might something be mixing different. up a cocktail. Maybe, okay, yeah, that's <laughs> obvious. That's the obvious thing. That's what I know I'd be doing if I was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I'd be taking the entire bottle and go sitting by myself in the in the entire row. But that's just me. That's that's how I took care of slumps. I slumped a lot. So you know, you can imagine. Uh, 
is there anything he can do? You know, you try occasionally on these teams. They've been on a bunch of teams where the entire team's all struggling at the same time for the most part. Now, Bo was a little bit better, but is there? You know, you try and make it as fun as possible. Like you try and take their mind off of it. It's not like they're not trying to get out of this. They understand how they're being pitched to. They understand what they're not doing well. Do you think this is where I think Charlie can? Maybe try and make this a little bit more fun. Maybe say, okay, to George Springer, how about you make up the lineup one day? Just sort of mix it up a little bit and and figure out different ways. You think Charlie's capable of doing things like that? Absolutely. He loves to communicate with those guys and kind of put the ball in their court or grab a couple of them and say, guys, what do you think? What are you, what are you feeling internally? What are you guys talking about? Do you want to shake it up? What, if you had to make the lineup today, lineup out today, what are you going to do, George? Where do you want to bat? You want to stay in the leadoff spot? Where do you want to Oscar? You want him behind you? Okay, let's roll the dice there. Vladdy, you want to move up to that number two spot? There's a lot of communication going on there. And Charlie's done that. You know, Charlie would be okay doing that and, and making it fun, making it creative, getting the guys involved. Because then it's not the panic move that I that I mentioned before. I don't think you're going to roll out there with two guys that are struggling right now at the plate and putting more pressure, three guys really, that are struggling at the plate. Because uh, I'm going to include Vladdy in that, along with Guriel and, and Hernandez. You don't want to make it feel like the coaches don't trust what you got, what the guys can do, and that to me is where that would be pause. If Charlie, you know, makes that panic move or the front office suggests some things too, I think that only adds pressure going into a big, big series. And if the guys are involved with a couple of ideas and they get creative and they come around with it, this team loves to have fun. I mean, this is a fun bunch. They know that they'd be all on board with that. So. Yeah, is Charlie open to it? Absolutely he's open to it. And it wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden the the lineup does get a little bit jostled over the next couple of days in Tampa Bay. And it's got to be jostled a little bit And because the Blue Jays have faced some really tough pitching. Let's be honest. I mean, they have faced some really good pitching staffs, whether it's starters or whether it's relievers, over the start of this first month plus. Um, You know, the, the Rays are in the middle of the pack right now. They're not as dominant as what they have been. They're certainly not as good as what they've been in the past, but it's still a team in front of the Blue Jays right now. So there's got to be a little concern going in there. You don't want to fall further behind in the division, the way the Yankees are playing right now. So I think creativity and having a little fun, shaking it up, that'd be a good thing to see on Friday night. What did you take away from Jose Barrios' outing today? A lot better. I, I love the life on the fastball today for Jose Barrios. That was a sign for me that um, you know maybe he, he felt a little bit better on the mound, that release point. I talked to him during the last homestand, and he he told me, you know, he's still working on getting that full extension. He doesn't feel right on getting out as far as he can, reaching to finish off those pitches. The fastball finish today was a lot better. I saw a lot more life on it. Um, and, and, you know, guys didn't look as comfortable in the batter's box either, honestly, for New York, as what other teams, including Cleveland last time out, looked in the batter's box against Jose. So the fastball with the conviction that we saw Jose using it early in the ballgame, I think made the curveball a lot better, and I thought it was a better, much better mix for Jose Barrios today. Good stuff, Ben. Appreciate your time today. Great call as always. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Thanks, guys. Ben. Chat soon. See ya. Ben Wagner, the radio voice of the Blue Jays. The other thing I want to say about Jose Barrios, too, today, Kevin, that curve looked a lot better. He threw a couple of really, really nice curves. It did. For me, it's about fastball command. Ben Ben hit the nail on the head there. It's got to be with the sinker and the four-seamer. The arm slot for me is is real tough to repeat location. You've noticed his misses with his fastball are big, and when you're facing a good team like the Yankees, a veteran lineup who's going to 
force you on the plate having those non-competitive fastballs run, see the pitch count way up. I thought he made quicker adjustments today. That's the one thing that veteran guys who've been there and know what the feel's like when it ain't going well and it's off the train tracks. How do you get it back on the train tracks as quick as possible? I think he did a better job of that today. And it ain't the pitching, Jeff. Let's understand that. It's it's the little things. It's the runners in scoring position. And, you know, so sooner or later, one of these big boys is going to have to get it down and get it singing and consistently get it singing for this team to turn it around, I think. Earl from Bowmanville wants to uh, ask a question again. 590-590 is a text line, Kevin. I think he's he, he is talking about something that you mentioned uh, last week about whether or not we put too much emphasis on last year. He said he thinks last year was misleading. This is Earl from Bowmanville. They were hitting up a storm in a minor league ballpark. He said, look at Simeon. Simeon is not the same guy he was last year, not playing in that ballpark. The Blue Jays aren't the same team they were last year, not playing in that ballpark. Now, again, it's, I, I don't think I, – I, I think it's too early to look at a team and say, well, this team was overrated. Uh, clearly, a lot of people still think the Blue Jays are pretty good, and clearly a lot of people know that Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at the end of the year are going to have really good numbers. I mean, there's, there's not much doubt about that. But I'm going to ask you, are you beginning to think that maybe that maybe that we didn't factor in that that small minor league ballpark enough. You know, we talked about how it would have a bad effect on the pitchers. We talked about Hyunjin Ryu. We talked about all this, but it's like we never really talked about the positive impact that would have on Blue Jays hitters. Confidence gives you confidence going to the small ballparks, knowing that mechanically you don't have to be real sound all the time to benefit because of the ballpark. You remember Dunedin, the wind blew out to right center all the time. And we can remember having games with the Blue Jays that they would inside out baseballs and hit line drives and doubles off that right center field wall and hit homers that way because they could because of the wind. You get it up in that, it's it's an easy homer. You don't have to be mechanically sound. You go to Buffalo, play Buffalo a lot, unless it's April. That's why they didn't play in April, because it's freezing cold there. But when it's warmer, ball flies there line to line. Again, it gets back to that. That breeds confidence. When you're confident that now I can just come here and just happy, line to line, I don't have to be mechanically sound, good things are going to happen, and then that carries over to going on the road and, and then going into some bigger ballparks like they did, obviously, when they went to other to, to play against other teams. It's a, it's a thing. It is a thing when it comes to confidence. I will say this. I do think, uh, you know, to, to piggyback off of what Ben said, they, they have faced some really good pitching. Like those righties that throw 98 with power sink and the slider feeding off that and the tunnel thing. And this team is very right-handed. We've been screaming this forever, and it's an obvious thing now. You watch this. Tyon, is Tyon a great pitcher, Jeff? No, he's okay. Well, he sure looked like he was great today. And the reason why I say that is he had two pitches, really. He would throw a, a an occasional breaking ball to Chapman because it's that up-and-down game. That's what you want to play with a guy who leads with his sort of his hands that comes with his front side, leaks a little bit, and has that, you know, you know where he, he doesn't always use his lower half. That's why he's throwing breaking stuff and elevated fastballs. But other than that, it was cutter-slider, and that's why their righty has issues of throwing together quality at bat after quality at bat. And it's a combination of a bunch of things, the overuses of breaking balls from all these pitchers, confidence, and old big boy right there hitting in the three spot ain't really doing a whole lot. Chris and Stony Creek, 
Uh, the Jays are 17 and 15. They are minus 13 in run differential. Their expected one loss is 15 and 17. You want to talk about uh, the Jays' record and uh, and and their problems with runners in scoring position? The two may not be computing. I'll be honest with you, buddy. First of all, let me say great show, guys, as always, okay? But Thank let you. me just say that they're lucky to have a winning record with being, I think they're, what, dead last or second last in all of Major League Baseball with runners in scoring position. Dead last. Uh, dead la- They're dead last. By a lot. Like, I mean. By a ton. By a lot. Yep. By a lot. Yeah. Like, if I said to you, Jeff, we are now, what, May the 11th, they're dead last with runners in scoring position, give me the record. You would have given me a sub-500 record. Would you not have agreed with that point? Uh, yeah, uh, 500 or sub five. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. I would. Definitely. I think Teo is going to be huge, uh, coming back. I, I think if you look up and down the lineup, I mean, Springer is not as streaky. Bo is streaky. Vladdy is not that streaky. Um, you know, I think Teo, it, there were some games last year where, where Teo kind of carried this team a little bit. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be huge coming back. But, I, 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 you know, asking the question of do you switch the lineup, like I don't know if it's too soon to switch the lineup, but you're getting damn close. You know what I mean? You're getting damn close before you start saying, boys, we got to do something here because we are literally dead last in all of Major League Baseball. You know what I mean? Like, like, like you guys yep. know baseball more than me. What's the worst lineup in all of baseball? American and National League. Who is that? Team? Cincinnati, I, without question. They're Cincinnati. worse than Cincinnati. Yeah, I know they are. <laughs> They're worse than Cincinnati, man. They're worse. They're worse. And 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 one other point I want to make quickly, and and, and I mean maybe you got to talk me off the ledge here, Jeffy. But but one of the things too is, like we're talking about this team making the uh, playoffs and and hopefully going for a World Series. I know it's crazy what we're talking about this, but some of the runs that have been given up, you know, by the bullpen later on in, in innings, it just makes me question that with the way that Major League Baseball is and the reliance on bullpens, you know, starters go four or five or six max, and then we fill in the rest mm-hmm. with, with the bullpen. How is this going to look? You know what I mean? How is this going to look? Because also, yeah. too, in, in when you're playing the playoffs, you're playing against teams that, you know, the lineups are good. Guys have been hitting for six or seven months now. They're zoned in. You know, you know what I'm. I'm saying, with right? you. Uh, listen, uh, thanks for the call, Chris. And we, as always, we uh, we appreciate the kind words. Listen, uh, you know, Ben Wagner made the point, Kevin, talking to Ross Atkins. They know this bullpen is incomplete, and I mean that shouldn't come as a shouldn't come as a surprise. And the one thing we know well about Ross Atkins is last year, last year he moved early. You know, when the bullpen was an issue. Now, there are people out there saying, Jeff, if he'd moved a week earlier, the Jays would have made the playoffs. <laughs> That's true. But you can only make a trade when other teams are ready to make a trade with you. So we do know that Ross Atkins is not afraid to make major bullpen acquisitions in season. They did it with Simber and Richards last year. Look, I think the the one caveat I would throw out here, Kevin, is um, through all this, we haven't seen the best of Barrios. We haven't seen the best of Kikuchi. There appears to be a light at the end of the tunnel with those two. Barrios, there's no doubt about it because he is who he is. There appears to be a light at the end of the tunnel with Kikuchi. Ryu comes back. Stripling goes back into the bullpen. Maybe that kind of restores a little order. I still think, Kevin, unless they go out and make a trade, I still think this team... I mean, I think they. I think Nate Pearson profiles as being a big guy for me. 
He, Maybe. He's, the only, he's the only internal answer they have to the bullpen question. I don't see any other internal answers here. Casey uh, Lawrence, for, those guys aren't going to – they're not – Julian Merriweather, they're not going to address the issues in the just bullpen. Look, just, just, look at the, let's just look at the internal options that you might have that have a little swing and miss in their game. And the one guy that pops into your mind is Nate Pearson. He, he can throw 100 miles an hour. He can do it with two pitches. He eliminates the changeup. He's not a three-pitch guy. For me, he's probably not a hybrid guy. you got to simplify it. you got to say, here's your inning. Go out there and let's see look. what you can do. And if they simplify it for me enough that that, that could happen – you know, you could say what you want about the bullpen. Bullpen's been decent enough. We know they don't have a lot of swing and miss. And at the starting, the rotation's been good enough. Pete Walker will get everybody in line to figure out ways to give this team a chance. It always and it will always come back when you're in the American League, especially when you're in the American League East. Jeff, as you well know, you're going to the Rays, you're going to the Yankees, you're going to the Red Sox. Who The Red Sox will make a run. They'll get a little hotter. Their no, lineup will start hitting baseball. They will. They'll be a little tougher to beat than they are right now is my point. They may not win a ton of games, but they're going to be a little tougher to beat. You're going to have to score runs. It gets back to that. If I'm Ross and I'm looking at this lineup and I'm thinking to myself, well, first of all, I'm not thinking about making the playoffs because right now this lineup is very right-handed, and they're easy to pitch to. Let's be honest. We can sugarcoat this and say no, however you want to say okay, it. I'm gonna, but I'm they're gonna easier ask to you, pitch to. Okay, uh, all right. Which right-handed hitter needs to be replaced in this lineup? I'm not saying replaced. That's a terrible word. No, 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 I'm no. Not you're, that. you're saying well. You're saying they need to be more. They need more balance. So you're saying they need to add a left-handed hitter. All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you that. I'm gonna ask you though. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Where does that left-handed hitter play? Because he doesn't play center field. Maybe he DHs. He doesn't play shortstop. He doesn't play first. He doesn't play right. Maybe left. Doesn't catch. He's not gonna play third. He's not gonna play second. So where let's say I could create the perfect left-handed hitter for you. Where are you going to put him? DH? He, me. He'd have to he'd have to DH and hit fifth for me. You, you do whatever you do. You, you know the Tapias wouldn't be playing except two or three times a week. He'd be a pinch hitter. Uh, he'd play defense and left. He'd be a pinch runner. That'd be the perfect spot for him. He's not playing as much as he is now. He'd give you a competitive bat right now, but you probably don't want him playing every single day. It's that run producing left-handed bat when a, with a runner on base that a pitcher has to go, oh, no, the cutter sliders work to all these other dudes. Now what do I do? That's, for me, is the one little thing. And I said this to you at the beginning of the season, and I'm not going to change my mind. I'm not going to say anything different. They can win the American League East with this lineup. This lineup is good enough when everybody is confident, and that's what this is all about is confidence. It's not mechanics. It's it's probably has a little bit to do with confidence and what they're swinging at combined together, but more confidence. They're just not confident right now, a lot of these guys. That's why they're not hitting well. But to win and go further than they want to or what they're uh, talking about going, they need that one left-handed bat. Oh, I, I listen, is, I, I – No, I agree completely. If they are going to be a World Series contender, they do need another left-handed bat. You can add a left-handed bat at the trade deadline. I fully anticipate this team will. I absolutely anticipate this team will. I mean, we know we know they're aware of this. Look at all the moves they made and tried to make in the offseason. They tried to bring Jose Ramirez in. Now he's a switch hitter. I get it. But he automatically oh. addresses that issue, right? They brought in Zimmer. That was mainly for defense. They brought Tapia in, sacrificed a right-handed power hitter for him because they liked the way he profiled offensively. He gave them 
a little something that they haven't had. So they are aware of it. And we know that ownership will spend money. We know that this front office isn't afraid to swallow big money. We know they're not afraid to put money in a deal to get it done. So I, I have no doubt. Like, let's be clear. The Jays we see the day after the trade deadline are going to have a different lineup. And they're going to have at least one or maybe two different pitchers in the bullpen. They will. I am just saying that in my perfect world, they've gone out and added another bullpen arm quickly, like in the next week or two weeks. And they do with Nate Pearson, do what Seattle's doing with Nate Pearson or with Matt Brash. He's, he was in the rotation at the start of the year. He wasn't very good. They sent him down to the minors and said, you know what? We're going to bring you back and you can help us out out of the bullpen. Next year, we'll, get, we'll talk about next year when we get to next year. But right now, we think your stuff plays better out of the bullpen. That's, to me, what they have to do with Nate Pearson. I keep telling people, Nate Pearson isn't a 19-year-old kid out of high school. This may be what he is. So take advantage of that and put him in an area where you have this crying need. And I understand you have to let him get built up. He's had mono. I get all that. But I'll tell you what. If this continues and I'm watching Nate Pearson making three or four starts down a freaking Buffalo, I'm going to be some pissed. You just Well, you just asked me where would a left-handed bat fit in this lineup. Where would Nate Pearson fit in the rotation right now? He's not. Like, if say, say Ryu comes back and starts doing something, starts locating the heater in and can expand with an elevated cutter and the arm speed on the changeup's good and all the velocity that he loves and Pete Walker loves is all there and he's doing his thing. Nate Pearson's not fitting into the rotation. Then you're all of a sudden thinking about doing a six-man rotation. That's not going to work. Guys don't like that. You're only doing that because of one guy that you had to do it with to give him a little bit of a break. Me, again, I hate to continue to say this because I'm in love with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but it always comes back to one guy. Mm -hmm. When he ain't hitting, this team don't look very good. It really does. 416-870-0590-STAR-590-188-666-0590-590 is a text line, name, and location, please. This is Blue Jays Talk with Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I think what gets lost on a lot of people is, you know, he just had a long stretch and, you know, played some very, very tough teams, had some close games, you know, had a lot of mentally draining games, a lot of physically draining games. I mean, you know, it's not an excuse for why, you know, we're, we're, we're not doing what what we expect to do as a team, but, you know, it happens. And, I mean, we played 30 out of 31 days to to start the year against really good teams is is uh is hard to do but you know it's 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 on to the next one you know we still got 130 plus games to go and there's still time to write the ship but there needs to be you know a little bit of urgency well, there you go the first time this year the urgency word has been used barker's pumping his fist he's all he's all gung-ho now that was i used Springer. it i used the urgency yeah i've been word. saying the first time somebody in the team i've heard use urgency I, Good for him. That's what you need. That's what you want your quiet leader to do. And you can tell yeah. George Springer's that quiet leader. Maybe he's the guy that says, "Well, yeah, we'll do a little something different. Maybe they all go out and have a team party tonight, which would be kind of cool, or tomorrow. I don't know. Go do partying in Tampa. It'd be a little tough to do it there. You might get oh, sick. Oh no, or... no, not not in St. Pete. I can, I, I can. You, There's I, some places you can recommend. I can, I can, I can set you up in St. Pete. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure they've been there, done it before. They probably know I'm where sure to go, they Jeff. Have. I'm, I'm sure, sure they, they do. I'm sure Most they of probably, them live in Florida. Yeah, I'm sure they probably go to different uh, different places than I go to. Uh, they don't strike me as a big cigar bar team. Uh, anyhow, uh, 
well, who knows? Uh, and now the Bet365 standings update with Bet365. You can bet on things like player props, totals, or the money line across many, many, many different sports. 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. Let us look at the American League East standings, shall we? The New York Yankees are 22-8. and eight. Give them the title right now. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. I'm just kidding. Their run differential, though, is plus 52. They are Oof. very good. Oh, and by the way, by the way, they are 14-4 and four at home. They are turning Yankee Stadium once again into a bit of a fortress. The Tampa Bay Rays, oh, ho-hum. They're 18-13, and 13, still haven't got it going. <laughs> they're 6-4. and four. They're, doing the their race. Race. they're doing their Rays thing, man. They're they just, are. They're, they're raising along. Kevin Barker's Toronto Blue Jays are 17 and 15. They're six games out. Thank God for expanded playoffs. And there's two teams we don't really care about. One of them, the Baltimore Orioles, is 13 and 17. And that means that the Boston Red Sox are 11 and 19. Oof. So it could be worse, Jays fans. Kevin Barker, they would be in last place in the AL West, the Boston Red Sox. Think about that. 11 and 19. The, uh, the, the uh, AOS got some boys can swing it. What are you knocking on the AOS for now all of a sudden? They, they got some, yeah, they got got some boys that can that. swing it, but they they've got also got three teams, too, for the most part. Well, two teams. Texas isn't any good. That's just Texas isn't any good, and Oakland is, you know, Oakland's one step ahead of the debt collector, basically. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, I, I can't, can't, can't put it any other way. I tried to be up nice. To, if we woke up tomorrow just... morning, listen, if you woke up tomorrow morning and somebody said, guess what? The Oakland A's have folded. You would have gone, eh, whatever. <laughs> Tom in Huntsville. Good afternoon, gentlemen. And I got a, a question. Thanks for having me on. And I got um, a, a, a statement and then a, a couple of uh, uh, stats just to share with you. And then a question. Um, I, I'm just very concerned about how free swinging the Jays are in their top four and five batters like all of them seem to be swinging for the fences um and and i don't think that's a very good uh, promising uh plan i I looked at the stats today on major league baseball the blue jays are of all the major league teams 30 of them uh they're 10th worst for strikeouts in other words there's 20 teams that are, are better than they are for striking out uh as far as taking walks Blue Jays are 25th out of 30 teams for taking walks. In other words, 24 teams are better, take more walks. And on base percentage, they're 16th, which is not horrible, but it, it does not lead to, if it continues to trend this way, it's going to look like they're going to have a hard time with these numbers getting base runners so that when the boppers come up, uh, you know, they can hit home runs and get them in like, I don't know uh, as good as George Springer is. I like him, but, you know, he strikes out a lot, too. And Bo Bichette, like his last at bat today, I was just wondering, like, why isn't he just trying to get on and, and not swinging for the fence all the time? So I, we need some people. Maybe Espinal needs to be moved up at the near the top of the lineup. I don't know. Uh, please give me your opinions. I mean, you know, I'll say this. I don't think base runners have necessarily been a problem for this team. They just can't do anything when they have them on base. They're getting some chances um, with runners. They're getting chances. Listen, they, they've, had, they've had a lot of chances. They, look, they should have been up. Well, I mean, you can never say that. But, Kevin, grant me this. 
given the way that first inning transpired, they should have been up 3 nothing after the first inning. It's after the Lord their is, first bat. It's the Lord is at bat with less than two outs with a runner yes. on third base, and he, and he punches out and looks the way he looked at the plate like he didn't have a chance. And further to Tom's point, that was a great point he made about the, the aggressive nature of the guys up front. I, I think that's the way they're made. Uh, yep. It's very hard to change. It worked last year. I don't, man, I'm going to stop saying last year, but that worked last year. Well, and true, I will say though. the confidence. The confidence thing, Jeff, is a big deal. I can remember when I played, if I didn't have any confidence, I stunk. And you're sort of seeing a little bit of this. That that confidence when you're seeing a lot of aggressive swings would tell you that, that they're feeling frisky with their mechanics. They think they see in the ball out of the hand. They think they got a good idea what he's going to throw and when he throws it. And I don't have to guess as much. And But I'm with Tom. I just think maybe you go up and hunt your pitch early. How can I do maximum damage, Jeff? How can I create backspin early in the count? How can I stay in the big part of the field? Why do you Mm. think big part of the field is? If I'm thinking big part of the field, I'm getting ready for velocity. I'm in an athletic position. Then he flips me a breaking ball, and it's a strike. I can still hit that ball hard because my mindset is telling my hands to stay through the baseball which in turn gives me a chance to have a quality at bat. And to further Tom's point, they're just consistently not doing that. But, again, it gets back to that thing. Why the Yankees good? Because that big boy hitting second is a monster and is red hot, and everybody else around him is just sort of filling the blanks. We're going to follow this guy because he's a lot of fun. He can do everything that most humans can't do. Well, yeah, one guy in that also... lineup for the Blue Jays, who needs to get that going? And it's the same guy. And I, I hate to yeah. keep bringing Vladdy's name up, but – Laddie's going to have to get hot for this team to start getting doing the things that they were hoping they could do this year. Mark Feinsand is MLB.com executive reporter and MLB network insider, and uh, he joins us on Blue Jays Talk. Mark, thanks for your time today. As as always, we appreciate it. I'm always intrigued when you do your your executive survey, when you talk to general managers around the league and sort of try to take the temperature of what, of what general managers are, are thinking about the game. Um, and, and I read your recent one. Look, it seems to me that there's more confidence, Mark, in the Blue Jays and some other front offices than there are in the Blue Jays <laughs> fan base right now, which maybe shouldn't come as a surprise because fans are fans. But what's your read in the Jays and what are people around the game saying about this team that is dead last with runners in scoring position? Well, yeah, that shouldn't be a surprise at all because people in New York, the Yankees, have all these holes they need to fill, and, uh, you know, they've won 15 of their last 17. So uh, that's just the nature of this is, I think, um, you know, I think the Jays have a, you know, a really quality roster top to bottom. They need their big guys to hit like every other team out there, right? I mean, the Yankees don't succeed if Aaron Judge doesn't hit, and if Giancarlo Stanton doesn't hit, and Rizzo, you know, the, the Jays are the same way. If, if Laddie and Bichette and Springer aren't carrying the load and letting other guys fill in where necessary, uh, that's what you're going to find. So I think people believe in the roster. People believe in a small sample size, not telling the entire story. And, uh, you know, they believe that, that overall they have the best roster top to bottom. Mark, I'm not going to say overrated because that's not true. they got some really good names on the back of their jerseys, the Blue Jays lineup do, that they're going to get hot exactly like you said. But there is a little bit of that wondering if last year when they were playing in some minor league ballparks, Dunedin, Buffalo. I played in Buffalo a ton. I played a little bit in Dunedin. Ball flies in those parks like crazy. And you can get some cheap stuff that you ain't going to get in big boy parks. Is there an argument there? Yankee Stadium. 
That's yeah, that little short porch that in. in right. <laughs> yeah, it's a little league park in right field. But it's is there is there something to that? Is or we just we should never say that again. I would never say that again. Um, I think, look, you look at the the ball that Vladdy was hitting last year, those have gone out of every ballpark in the big league. So I don't care that they were in Dunedin or Buffalo. Um, You know, same with Bichette. You know, these guys are legitimate big league power hitter types. So I don't think the ballpark matters as much. We've seen that you talked about the the average run of score position. This has been the Yankees story for the last three years is that, you know, they've been towards the top of the league in a lot of offensive categories, but towards the bottom of the league in that one, especially come postseason time, and that's been their undoing. And with any team out there, uh, if you're near the bottom of the league, you're running the scoring position, you're, you're not going to be very good. So that is definitely an area that the Jays need to clean up. But that said, I also believe that one month is too small a sample size to make any declarative statements uh, about their ability to hit in the clutch. Can we make a definitive statement, though, that the Yankees are probably not going away anytime soon? <laughs> yes, I think that's fair. Uh, the Yankees are playing as well as they've played probably in three or four years. Uh, and it's not just what you're used to seeing where Judge and Stanton and, and Rizzo or whoever it may be hit a bunch of home runs. And, um, you know, they're, they're near the top of the league in a few different categories. But most importantly, I think as of yesterday, and I don't know what the updated stats are, but I think they were, like, second in the American League in ERA, uh, maybe first. Uh, So, you know, the fact that they're pitching, and it's not just Garrett Cole and a bunch of other guys, uh, they're getting contributions up and down that rotation. The bullpen has been outstanding. Uh, You know, this kid Michael King has been a huge boon for them uh, in the late innings, you know, striking out close to two batters an inning. Uh, they're getting it from all over the all over the roster, so they're going to hit a, a, a skid at some point. They're not going to keep winning 15 out of every 17 games uh, and go on all these 11 game winning streaks. But I think this series against Toronto certainly gives them some uh, confidence as they head, you know, into their next series and beyond. Uh, and the one thing we know about Brian Cashman is that you know, two months from now, two and a half months from now, as the trade deadline draws near, whatever he thinks they need wherever their deficiency is in that roster, uh, he will do everything he can to go out and get it. Mark, I haven't, we haven't talked to you in a little while since the season started, I don't believe, and, and had a conversation about the lack of hitting. Oh, obviously, we talked about the Blue Jays. We see the Red Sox. We're one of the worst hitting teams in baseball. Can you put your finger on why that is? One thing, why do you think that is? Well, I think it's all it all has to do with the way teams are using pitching. Um, you know, you're, you're not – getting many starters more than twice a game. Uh, And then, you know, every team seems to have this, uh, you know, parade of guys throwing 96 to 102 coming out Mm -hmm. of the bullpen. So over the final four, five innings of a game, uh, it's really hard to get, to get offense going. Um, And I think that's, that's certainly one thing. I think, you know, other analytic areas, I mean, hitters are paying more attention to launch angle than ever before. And you see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of guys sort of trying to get the ball in the air and get it out of the park. That leads to more strikeouts, leads to more pop-ups. Um, you know, we're, we're just not seeing as many balls in play in general. I think it will help, um, you know, if they make some rule changes, which I expect they will do probably by next year uh, in terms of banning the shift and a pitch clock and things like that, I think will help because, uh, yeah, I think league-wide the entire – major leagues are hitting about 232 i think right now 
which is just staggeringly low. Mark, I know that uh, you you talk to folks in the commissioner's office more more than a lot of us do. There's a lot of talk about the baseball, right? And I mean, you know, Alec Manoa and and, and Jose Barrios. I mean, it's like a parade of guys on this team now talking about it. And it, I'm getting the sense it's more out of frustration than anything else. It is is there an issue? Like, is is there an issue with the ball? And how on earth? I mean, how on earth can there be an issue with the ball? I got to tell you the truth. I'm not all that educated on this topic because to me, both teams are playing with the same ball. So Mm -hmm. I I really try to take those things out of it in general. If there is an issue with the baseball, both teams are facing it. So it's not like they're using one baseball when, uh, you know, the Red Sox are hitting and one baseball when the Rays are hitting. So, um, you know, I'm sure there have been some tweaks. I'm sure there are some tweaks unintentionally, uh, you know, all the time. It's hard to imagine that every ball is, is stitched together exactly the same way. Conspiracy theorist, I'm not going to downplay what, what players are saying because, look, they're the ones with the ball in their hand. They're the ones who are hitting the ball. They have a much better feel for what a Major League Baseball ought to feel like uh, than I ever will. So I'm not going to dismiss what they're saying, but at the same time, I just don't look at that as a reason for what we're seeing on the field. Mark, do you like pitch com? I do. I love it. Mm-hmm. I, every yeah, time I, I, I watch, I think. Look, I mean, I think any time that you sit there and you see the catcher going through seventeen signs, there's a guy on second base, it, it hurts the pace of the game. And then you see pitcher shakes them off, and then they got to go through another seventeen signs. Um, you know, it seems like pitchers and catchers have gotten used to it pretty quickly. I know more than two thirds of the league is using it. Um, it doesn't seem to be uh, a hindrance in any way. And anything that's going to help with the pace of the game. And the thing people always confuse, I think, is the word pace with the word time, right? I'm perfectly happy to watch a three-and-a-half-hour baseball game if there is a good pace to it, if there is action, if it is, um, you know, not a, a thing where you're going 30 seconds between pitches and you're just seeing, uh, you know, catchers throw down signs for 30 seconds. I, I think a pace to the game is important. I think pitch comps help that. Uh, and it seems like the teams that are using it are, are having success with it. Mark, last question before we let you run. In addition to the Yankees, the Mets are playing some pretty good baseball as well. Which of those two teams, what do you think is more sustainable, what the Yankees are doing, what the Mets are doing, or or both, frankly? Well, I'd have to say, I mean, I, I guess my, my answer would be both. I think both have very good rosters that have the ability to play at a high level all season. If I think one is more sustainable than the other, I'd have to think it's the Mets only because I think the Yankees are in a much tougher division. Um, you know, assuming that the Red Sox wake up at some point, um, you know, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Boston, New York are all very good teams. Uh, and even if Boston doesn't get back in the race, so to speak, uh, you know, they're not a team you go out there and just assume you're going to beat if you don't put up a good performance. So, you know, the Mets, I think, you know, the Nationals are, 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 you know, in a rebuilding phase. The Phillies just can't get out of their own way. Uh, the Marlins are, again, sort of a team on the up, but not not of the class of, like, Toronto or Tampa. And, uh, you know, Atlanta, I mean, <laughs> I never count Atlanta out because of what we've seen from them, um, but they are certainly not off to the start they were hoping for either. So I think the Mets are probably uh, a better shot to win their division comfortably just because of the division that they're in. But I, I see both New York teams being a factor before this is all said and done. 
Good stuff, Mark. Appreciate you doing this, man. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Mark. Anytime, fellas. You got it. Take care. That's Mark Mark Feinstein, MLB.com executive reporter, MLB Network Insider. Mr. Barker, your finger is raised. You, 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 you know why I ask about the pitch com is I, today I'm, I want to ask hitters, and I have not asked this, and I'm going to ask. I saw Anthony Rizzo today. He got a little chapped because you could tell that when Barrios and Kirk Kirk would give that sucker. He'd get the ball back. Yep. He already had the sign, and you could tell that chapped Rizzo. And I wonder, I've watched a couple of these, that bad pitches like a bad breaking ball. Just because that guy feels a little rushed, he either takes it or he's late on it. I want to ask hitters, which I have not, but I'm going to, on how many pitches they think that they thought they should have hammered because of pitch calm. They were a little bit more worried about how in a hurry they were and – it sort of messes them up. I may be overthinking this thing. That's why I'm going to ask because I've never stood in the back box with a guy trying to, you know, hurry up and get in a batter. We saw Aaron Judge earlier this year too, right? Yeah. Remember he got that? A little chapped, that? right? He yeah. got a little chapped with that. And I'm just curious to know what hitters think of sort of that rush feeling and, and pitchers getting away. Because there was a couple breaking balls that, that Barrios threw today that you thought they should have hammered. But it just mm-hmm. looked like because he was in such a good flow, getting it going, getting it going because of that pitch comb. And that hitter was like, dang it, slow down, dude. Yeah, I'm trying what? to get ready here. What I like about pitch comb is the game doesn't start until the pitcher throws the ball. And if you can speed that up, then you are by by extension going to speed up the game. I'm a, I'm a big fan of pitch comb. There have been few things – baseball has brought in lately that I've liked as much instantly as PitchCon. That and the ghost runner at second base, which I think is is great. Uh, Billy and Mark, and we'll get to you in a minute. we got to talk about the umpiring because Barker wants me what to come do I need on to and apologize. You, Barker you were wants wrong me to and come I was on right. apologize because I was a little rough in you last night. You were wrong and I was right. Well, just, just people know. You know, we'll go back over this, right? You know, of course, that last night, uh, Jimmy Garcia was tossed out by the crew chief, Alfonso Marquez, uh, by sorry, by home plate umpire, uh, Lance Barrett, and after he hit Josh Donaldson with a no-one pitch following a home run. Okay. He gets thrown out. Pete Walker gets ejected. Later on in the game, there's a pitch thrown high inside to Bo Bichette. Nothing's called. Charlie comes out. He gets run for that. Uh, earlier in the game, um, Guriel had been hit by a pitch. So... The, yeah. the argument was, you know, this is a classic argument. Let the players decide the issue on the field. We found out after the game that, again, according to Alfonso Marquez, we found out after the game that, uh, according to him, the umpires did what they did because there were words exchanged between Tyler yeah. Heineman yeah. and Josh Donaldson. We now know that it was Josh Donaldson who basically told Heineman to get his ass back behind home Because it was plate. a check swing. A on check a check swing. swing. On a check swing. So... Here's what didn't happen today. Charlie Montoyo wasn't suspended. He thought he was going to be suspended. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garcia wasn't suspended. I, you know, I guess maybe they could do something in Tampa. You know, you can and then have him appeal it. But there was no. Well, it was a quick turnaround, and generally it takes the commissioner's <laughs> really? office a while. It takes the commissioner's office a while to, uh, you know, to to uh, to get things. Uh, to to adjudicate these things. But the biggest thing to me was that there was no warning given out before the game today, nor was there an issue when uh, Vladdy was hit by a pitch in the first inning. So this indicates to me that the umpires were basically wrong and that Major League Baseball has admitted that. Who are you? That the umpires got it wrong. Who are you? 
I'm I want Jeff you. Blair back. Well, that's the first time you haven't taken up for an umpire. Now, and I want to know oh, why not, all I'm, of a I'm, sudden but, that you're on my side. I no, want to know I'm that. Saying, I'm saying, no, I can still see why they did it, but it was wrong. You cannot see that. I can understand that. why they did it. You, you cannot see that. You can see a rabbit-eared umpire who's calling balls and strikes heard a veteran third baseman say, get your idea. bleep back back there because that's not a strike. That's all he said. It's not like Heineman said, I'm going to hit you in the neck the next time we see you. None of that was exchanged. So, yeah, it was four people that had no idea about the game of baseball. And Major League Baseball and the player and the uh, the umpires union are trying to make up for it by just basically saying, if we don't say anything or do it anything to these people, it'll go away and we yeah. won't get picked but I on anymore. To, I wanted to, That's exactly I wanted to what mention that. I wanted to mention that because I know that I would never hear the end of it if I didn't well, apologize it. You would claim that right some now. sort of – Say you're sorry. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'm you're dead wrong, I'm and I'm right. always right. Billy and Markham. What's up, Billy? Hang in there, Jeff. Don't give in. <laughs> I'm not giving in to Barker. Billy, I, you're the there's, best. There's no point. <laughs> Even though I agree with Kevin, but uh, yeah, yes. I know you do. Why Hang am I it. not surprised, Billy? But you want it. You agree with. You want to trade the whole team. You want to fire the manager. You want to bring Alex back. Oh. You want Beeston back. I know. I know you. I know you. Jeff, let me let me put it to you this way. It's a long freaking season. Look, <laughs> I just watched the Pirates take two out of three from the Dodgers. I just watched Cincinnati put 14 runs on the board against uh, a very good Milwaukee pitching staff. How about that? Yeah, we're, we're going to go through this. We're going to go through our slumps. I'm a little concerned about um, this team. There, we all know that there's, there's five tools in baseball that make you a great player. But there's a sixth one that's never talked about, and that's that, that internal clock. And some of the mistakes the Jays made today – this is Little League stuff, guys. This cannot happen. You're not playing Tampa Bay or the Los Angeles Dodgers if you continue to play like this. Yeah, I, the I mean, thing this, with this Bo is... drove me nuts. The thing with yeah. Bo absolutely drove me nuts more than anything. And, and the last caller hit it on the head with Bo. Bo, you're having a great game. You're three for four. That last at bat, that long foul, foul ball you hit just killed you because they threw you that perfect two-strike pitch on the outside part of the plate. And you tried to jack it out of the park. You've got to know that Vladdy's come. I know Vladdy's in the slump, but you've got to get on, Bo. Yeah, I don't need a two a two run homer is nice, but not when you're trying to hit a two run homer. But anyways, anyways, I digress. But here's here's what I here's what I see, guys. Number one, first of all, and this is the question I want to ask you guys. We you know we've gone back and forth. Two weeks ago, I had this team running away and hiding. At the beginning of the year, I said I thought they had a lot of a lot of problems on this team, and, and I'm going back to the beginning of the year. The, the last caller hit it right on the head. Did we maybe not overrate this team, but did a bunch of guys have, have big, big seasons? The other teams have iPads. They check on the Blue Jays. I could not see Vladdy Guerrero hitting 48 home runs again this year. Boba I don't know if anybody's going to hit 48 home runs based on the yeah, ball. Boba Shed is not a home is not a home run hitter in in, in my uh, he can he can he can get to it. But what what I'm what I'm trying to say is, did we maybe? And, and I love Mark Shapiro. I mean, I love Mark Shapiro. But did we maybe jump too quick? Did we get guys in here? I mean, Kevin, you said it perfect with our third baseman. He's exactly what we thought we were going to get. Great defense. He's going to hit 25 home runs. I'm going to guarantee you 15 of them, of them are going to be against the Orioles. And, and this, we got to just, did we really need him? Did we really need Berrios? Should we have maybe Ooh. gone a little bit slower? Maybe, maybe regress, not regress because you always want to win, 
but maybe just take it a little bit slower and maybe guys we have austin martin in our system we have the guy that i just loved and i couldn't believe we got him in the draft Gunnar hogland we've given these guys up and yeah did we did we jump too quick guys and expect too much this year and maybe should we have maybe slowed it down a little bit and and just keep building and building till we got a true true powerhouse that's all yeah i I mean yeah, Billy, I mean, I'll say this. I think, look, the clock is running with Vladdy and Bo. I don't think you want to turn it into a to a four-year build. The clock's running. you got to win with these two guys at some point soon. I mean, you, you just have to. Uh, Austin Martin, he's not playing in this team right now. Um, he, Austin Martin's not a big leaguer. No, he's not a big leaguer. Gunnar Hoglund, maybe at some point he will be. Probably not for a couple of years. None of those, none of the players the Jays gave up in any of these deals really strike me as guys who could be difference makers in the next two or three, in the next two years, certainly. Um, Matt Chapman, Matt Chapman, I think he, 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 answers, he answers a big question. He fills a need, something this team doesn't have internally. <laughs> An everyday third baseman who gives you great defense you don't count on Matt Chapman to be one of your core hitters. You shouldn't have to. Um, so, no, I, none of those trades, you know, I, I, again, Jose Barrios is going to be helping helping this team win big games way before Austin Martin. And, frankly, with that contract, probably way after Austin Martin would have helped them. Uh, and as for Bichette and Guerrero and that, it's not like they just – it's not like they just emerged on the scene last year. I think if you look at both Bo – and Vladdy, if you re- rewind things to before the start of last season and said, this is the type of year these two guys are going to have, Kevin, I think most people will look at and said, okay, that's possible. That's possible. It didn't. Sure. Vladdy having an MVP caliber season, that wasn't the biggest shock in baseball last year, I don't think. So, yeah, I don't have any issue with, with the way the Jays have, have uh, sort of managed their window of opportunity. I still like the fact that they have Martinez, that they have Moreno, that they have Jordan Groshans still here. They, you know, Nate Pearson, who the hell knows what he's going to turn into. But I have no problem with any of the deals they've made, especially when you know kind of the background of those deals. We know they wanted to get Jose Ramirez. We know that the Indians delayed and delayed and delayed. And ultimately, we know that Jose Ramirez wanted to stay with the Indians, so they pivoted to get Matt Chapman. I don't know about you, Kevin. I have a hard time looking at any of these moves and going, hey, that doesn't make sense. If not this year, when? That, that's when my question would be. You got you got short Springer for however many years you got him. You got two stars in Bo and, and Blatty. You know, you got Teoscar. And we all know at the- some point we've talked about it. We're the only ones that seem to talk about it. I'm not worried about it. But at some point, the rubber's going to have to meet the road with those two when it comes to contracts. It just is. Can't it seems both. hard to imagine that both of those guys are going to be here for the next five years with the Blue Jays. It just seems hard to imagine that. Maybe ownership will make it work. I hope they do. But I don't think anybody would be surprised if it didn't. Just think we, I, I think one bad week of Vladdy, and all of a sudden we're talking about this lineup's not any good, this team's not any good, we shouldn't have traded for this, we shouldn't have paid for Barrios. Yeah, That's the, a bit strong. I, let's give it a little bit longer. Let's see what it looks like when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is hot. And he will get hot. He will figure some things out. He'll be on time a little bit more. We all know that he can hit. We've seen it. It's been right in front of us. It's, he's going through a little bit of a, 
a tough stretch here where just something's not adding up, and he's trying to work through it and figure it out. Let's see what it looks like. Billy, let's hang in there. Let's all do it together, and let's oh wait God, and see Parker, what it looks you're, like. You're gonna have I'm glad to start playing Kumbaya now. Ah, let's figure it. Let's not get all crazy here and – Let's 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 see what it looks like when Vladdy's hot for a week straight. Oh yeah, look, I don't think anybody's uh, anybody's anybody's thinking anything anything other than that. And you're absolutely right. The track record w- would suggest that at some point Vladdy's going to go off and Bo's going to go off, and it may happen. It 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 may happen at the same time. It may happen at but the same further, time. But further to a couple of callers' points, the minor league thing last year didn't hurt. <laughs> let's just say it like it is. It it didn't hurt. No, no. But as I said, I think we we kind of always looked at it in the negative, as opposed to uh, anything else. Um, S.J. from North York conspiracy. He's got a conspiracy about the lack of MLB hitting. The only reason I'm reading this is because I'm a, every now and then I like me a good conspiracy theory. Theory with the introduction of betting somewhere in the baseball rollout process, there's tampering by people betting the under. A team like the Jays would be a prime target, sort of like the Flategate. It's far fetched, but who knows? SJ from New York. And here's the thing I'm going to say about that. I don't think there's anything to that at all. But you know what? If you openly admit that you're tinkering with baseballs. Yeah. Right? Um, people are right to question. I, I, I think they're, they're – I'm not saying there's a conspiracy theory. But it, it's, it's understandable that at a time where there is – see, we've gotten to the point now where people are not only watching baseball – but now they're investing money in it, right? Now you can sit at home. You can gamble to your heart's content. Mm-hmm. Now you've got a financial stake in that. And this is why I think that baseball has to get its act together soon. It's got to get its act together soon because <laughs> when you introduce legalized gambling into this equation, Kevin, you, you have put a whole new light on your game. I'm because sorry. To now laugh. your fans, now your fans have a real financial attachment to this. I'm sorry to laugh whenever you were talking there, but but I was thinking, Major League Baseball rarely gets out of its own way. Just look at the lockout. Look at look at how the commissioner and how how both sides handled that, and how much fans hated baseball in general and the players and and the commissioner and now we're talking about baseballs why why should we be talking about baseballs after they had a lockout and the way that looked and the way everybody acted going through that it's again gets back to that baseball can't get out of its own way five three the yankees beat the blue jays today the jays have lost four in a row they are 17 and 15 they have Tomorrow off, they open a three-game series against the Tampa Bay Rays in Tampa. We are led to believe that Hyunjin Ryu uh, will make his return at some point. Danny Jansen can't be that far behind either. I can't imagine. Kevin Biggio as well. Um, But with all due respect to those gentlemen, I'm not entirely certain that the return of Biggio and Jansen will necessarily address uh, the offensive issues that, you know, as Kevin and other people point out, it's clear the issue with this team right now. They cannot beg, borrow, or steal a hit with runners in scoring position. And at a time when home runs are down, um, it has made life extremely, extremely difficult for this team. So who knows? Maybe with an off day in Tampa, right? Little Go time fishing. around the little time around the pool at the Renaissance Vinoy. 
That's not where they're staying. <laughs> yeah, I think they do stay there. Is it? Yeah. Well, three-quarters of the team, have, that's where they live in the offseason. They so they're going to stay at home. Okay. Well, anyhow. Maybe with a little bit of, of time to step back, the off day might bring about a new – ah, forget it. It didn't work the last off day. They're <laughs> <laughs> in New York. What the hell? They still don't like the breaky ball in the fastball. Uh, yeah, that, that ain't going to change. Uh, Blair and Barker will be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, the fan at 360. We'll be back with Jay's talk after Friday's first of three against the Rays. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, Blue Jays baseball is served up by the always game-ready Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans.